With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pour one more beer for me. Exile needs quality. So savagely. Best beer in all the land. Brewed with a loving hand. From bottle, keg, or can. Exile Brewing. E-X-I-L-E. For me. E-X-I-L-E. Let's drink. Crack open a Ruthie today. Enjoy your HN Podcast, John Miller along with Rob Howe. Thank you to Exile Brewing Company and Heartland Flagpoles and Flags for sponsoring our podcast. Once again, apologies for the background or, in this case, ambient noise as I podcast from my car in Tulsa, Oklahoma or Owasso, Oklahoma, where it's 97 degrees. But, Rob, I mean, it's it's hot up there, too. Good thing that football game on Saturday, this coming Saturday, is going to be at nighttime. Yeah, but I was looking at the forecast and I know it's only Wednesday, but there it's, it's supposed to be 90 here on Saturday. So game time will still be a little bit toasty. Yeah, and I don't know what it's like there, but the humidity right now is pretty bad down here, which is not normal for uh, September. So uh, at any rate, let's uh, go back before we go forward. Iowa against North Texas, that first half was just a weird, funky deal. It wasn't even enjoyable, frankly, uh, to watch. I, I didn't have much fun watching it, and that had less to do with the fact that Iowa trailed going into the half and more to do with the officials basically making themselves too much a part of the game. I mean, obviously, the, the, the penalty discrepancy for the game was greatly in Iowa's favor. I just think that these guys just were just, they were just involved too much, in my opinion. Yeah, over-officiated, without question. and Over-officious jerks. <laughs> yeah, they... they I don't know if they just if some games are marked on the calendar. Okay, this crew, you're going to start enforcing everything that is in the playbook that we don't normally enforce because that's what it seemed like. And it, you know, from the late hit Alabama out of bounds on Rugamba, which was, you know, just I, it, to me that one was almost as bad, if not worse, than the Wadley one. The Wadley one is least, you know, it's. Although it's in the rule book, it's still kind of there's still some vagueness to it, and um, yeah, it was that game was hard to watch. I went to, back to watch the replay. It was just it was just an off. It was just a really bad game for college football. I mean, if you're a fan of the sport, that was not the that is not what you want out there for people to see. No, it's not. Um... Iowa's play in the game first half again tough to get a feel for it second half I'm really not trying to sound like a slappy because I've certainly been critical of Kirk Ferentz during his time at Iowa at different times but I so far through three games, I'd, I'd give Brian Ferentz an A for play calling. I, I really loved what he did in the second half. You know, I think sometimes there's a temptation for coordinators when they're having success running it, they want to get too cute and go up top on play action to try to go deep on first down. Well, if you do that, if you're Iowa, Iowa has not is not and has never been a second and ten team, and the running game was working. And Brian kept calling runs. A sixteen play eight 
plus minute time of possession drive. They ran it 15 times and threw it once. Love the variation that I was getting, um, breaking all sorts of tendencies, which is pretty key to something I'll talk about here in a second when we transition to Penn State because I don't want to talk about North Texas too long. Um, have you been as, as impressed with Brian as I have been? Yeah, and I think, you know, factoring in that it's a first-year quarterback and the injuries on the offensive line, and we all talked about the deficiencies at receiver. Um, yeah, I mean, if you factor those things in as well, I mean, he's had some he's had some moments. The Noah Fant, like whatever that was in the first game of the season, he's had a few months where he's overthought things, I thought. But for the most part, it's been pretty smooth. And um, if you look at that game the other day, they had two touchdowns wiped out in the first quarter. And maybe that game's different if they – but those two touchdowns, the long pass to Wadley that got called back and the one to, to Nick Easley – that was a fumble at the goal line um those were passes that later set up the run in that game i think that kind of you know it it loosened up north texas enough because they were aggressive early on those early passes uh and those two touchdowns included i think open things up so yeah i mean he's shown enough and i think there's still more there and i I think we'll get a chance to see that this week yeah i think there's uh there's a lot more there let's just go to to penn state um you know, last year against Penn State, that was what eighth game of the season, I think. And I was Iowa was nearing the end of a year with a passing offense was that was the worst of my lifetime statistically. It was even worse than the 2012 season in, in many regards. It was dead on arrival, and everybody knew it. And what that happened, especially in that game, is Penn State's defense front to back, I mean line of scrimmage back to their deepest safety typically at snap, we're talking 11 or 12 yards worth of depth because they had absolutely no fear of Iowa's passing game. That made it all the more difficult to run. And there were several instances, if you recall, where C.J. Beathard would make an audible at the line of scrimmage. The Penn State linebacker and defensive lineman were pointing to a spot. They walked over and filled that spot, and that's right where Iowa ran the play. Iowa was just incredibly predictable because its playbook wasn't very deep because it couldn't pass. This, I'm not saying Iowa's offense is, you know, going to make the New Orleans Saints blush, but this, this year through three games, I think Brian Ferentz has broken enough tendencies, and I think the offensive line is pass blocking better, and I think that there are more pass catching options than they had a year ago, eight games in, that I think the the passing offense could actually make things a lot better for Iowa's running game in this particular game because of all the things I mentioned. Yeah, I agree. And that game last year over the, you know, at State College as well, the defense was not good, and that's an understatement and um you know that allowed they got such a nice lead early it allowed penn state to just kind of tee off right defensively and that it was just a bad formula it was a formula for disaster later last year and i would be surprised if they come out and look that flat um and you know disjointed this week um yeah i i think you know he's shown enough, he he uses the tight ends really well um, and moves them around a lot and gives people different looks with the tight ends. Um, Easily is a sure-handed guy. Uh, you know, he, he's he, he's lived up to what the coaches hyped him up to be in the spring. He's mm-hmm. really reliable. 
We haven't really seen the best of Matt Vandenberg yet. I think he's still getting his feet under him, and maybe that starts to come this week a little bit more. Brandon Smith caught his first pass. We've seen what Amir Smith-Marset can do. So there, we came into the season wondering what you know what the passing game would look like. Stanley's been solid, especially after that first game, and he's got enough weapons to spread the ball around, and you have to respect Wadley. You have to respect his ability to come out of the backfield and catch passes, and you know he's embarrassed enough people on defense that when they get when they get a chance to tackle him they know they got to swarm tackle him because one-on-one he's going to you know juke you out of your jock um and i really think this week john the, the, and i wrote this in my preview we could talk more about that later iowa's ability to possess the football so far through three weeks time of possession long drives that's the key on Saturday night. They've got to be able to do that and keep Penn State's offense off the field because I think Iowa's defense is going to have from Penn State's offense is going to score. It's just too good. And Iowa's defense, I don't think Josie Jules fully healthy. He just does not look like himself. Um, the pass rush hasn't been there. Penn State will move the ball and score. If they can limit their opportunities, That's to me, that's the, the recipe for, for a victory on Saturday night. Well, yeah, and I went and looked at some statistics today, and I posted them on our HN Extra Members Forum today. Um, Penn State is – among all teams in FBS, they've run. I think they're ranked 125th in in total plays per game, or is it plays per possession? It, really, both of those they're very similar. They're not running a lot of plays. I think they're averaging three or four plays per possession on the average. But they're one of the top 10 or 15 scoring offenses in football, and that tells you they are getting a lot of their points with big big plays um, obviously Saquon Barkley is one of the most dangerous players in all of college football and that's a reason why they're doing it he's a huge reason why they're scoring in big plays and if I was going to win this game it's got they're going to have to win it something like 24-23 24-21 I think if Penn State goes over the 24 point mark I don't know that I was going to be able to hang. Now, that being said, I'm not exactly sold on Penn State's defense the way that some people are talking it up. Um, I think that they're, they'll be the best defense that Iowa, Iowa has seen thus far, but I don't think they're an, an impenetrable object. But I do really have concerns about their offense. I've seen a lot of people saying we need to see more um, A.J. Epinesa. I don't know that this will be the week that you'll see that because, again, as I mentioned last week when you and I spoke, I think his outside containment responsibilities are likely what's keeping him off the field as much as anything. And Trace McSorley is a quarterback that you do not want to let get past your outside shoulder and break containment. Otherwise, some bad things happen. And McSorley, Rob, is really the first running threat quarterback that Iowa has seen all season long, and and that adds a new dimension to a defense that likely against Penn State is going to play a lot of base I'm, I'm guessing yeah i wondered i was on a radio show earlier today where somebody asked me about that i just have a feeling that we're going to see more more nickel maybe more dime in certain situations um i just i can't imagine they're going to go with you know the base if if it's going to if you know the thought of linebackers on barkley 
and some of Penn State's receivers. That's just it's not going to work when you have the element of McSorley in the backfield uh, extending plays. It's just I don't I think they're going to need to tweak and do some things differently. Will they? I'm not sure, but I think they need to. Um, in reference to Penn State's defense, I'm with you. Um, statistically, they're they're up there. I mean, they're average. I think they're allowing. You know, five points a game or something ridiculous, and you know, under 300 yards a game. But they haven't played anybody. They no. really have. I mean, Akron. We saw they beat Akron 52 to nothing. We saw Iowa State beat Akron 41 to 14. The Akron game for Penn State was at home. Iowa State was on the road. So, you know, and Pitt's not that good this year either. Um, and they turned the ball over a ton when they were at Penn State. So, I think Iowa can move the ball on Penn State defense and you know like we talked about i think it's those long sustained drives not that if you can't you know if you can get an 80 yard pass play go for it but um if you can chip away that's the way to do it because penn state's offense as you mentioned is quick striking i think i was reading the notes today when i was doing my preview i'm pretty sure they lead the big 10 in runs of 10 yards 12 yards or more um you know uh, among Big Ten teams, and I think they're among the leaders in the country in that that category too. So, um, it's I, I don't think it's a, a you know, and I didn't see the Michigan game playing out as it did last year either. Um, no, no, not 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 even in terms of the final score, but just that it was that low scoring. I thought there would be more points involved, but um, you know, Iowa, like you said, Iowa's got to keep this down like that. Maybe not fourteen thirteen, but low. You know, I, I haven't, I haven't really looked at this. This only just popped into my head. I think that this would easily be the highest ranked team Kirk Ferentz has played in September in his tenure. I know they played Ohio State on September 30th of 2006, and the only reason I know that date is because that's the last time I ever drank. Um, and I can't remember what Ohio State was ranked at that time. Maybe they were up there. But Penn State's ranked, I think, as high as third. I, I, I don't know when the last time Iowa's played a team ranked that highly in September. Maybe Miami back in the early 1990s, and I don't even know about that. So my point is, when they played Michigan last year, it was game nine. You know, I'm not saying it was super cold the night they played Michigan, but it wasn't a September type of climate where the, the high temperature is going to be in the 90s during the day to where, you know, when you get the, a cold football in, in late November, that, that football is a little harder. And it's just like playmakers are a little bit, um, I don't want to say muted entirely, but maybe if they're a 10 in September, they're an 8 in November just because of the, the potential elements. Not going to have that problem. Uh, on Saturday. And as I think of this, you know, Iowa is one of the, I think they're fifth in the country in time of possession. Um, and they are top 10 in number average plays per drive. I mean, Rob, they've scored 13 touchdowns this year. Nine of them have come from on 75 yards or longer drives. That's incredible. But is it repeatable? And what's more likely to be repeatable? What Iowa has been doing and how they've been scoring, or what Penn State has been doing or how they've been scoring, or maybe both of those things, neither of those things are repeatable in a game like this, and we have something that does stay below the 24-point total. Yeah, I think the number's 52 or 52-and-a-half in Vegas right now, so that's kind of where they see it. That's exactly, yeah. Falling, so... 
And I looked it up. Ohio State was number one in 2006. So. All right. Well, there you go. And I, <laughs> so that that would be the answer to that question. And that was that was the last time game day was here as well. Yeah. And yeah, with the with Kirk, um, you know, in the non-conference going to three games, that that will change it a little bit right. in terms of ranked teams. But yeah, I mean, as to, you know, to your question, it's I don't think we know enough about either one of these teams yet to figure out how it's going to play out on Saturday, just in terms of tendencies to this point, in, ter- in terms of what they've been able to do. Um, you look at Penn State's offensive line, it's experienced. I think they came into the season with 87, 87 starts, 90 starts, somewhere in there. Right. Um, you know, Jacecki's a, a, you know, one of the best ten tight ends, if not the best tight end in the conference. They lost receivers, but they reload. It's Penn State. Um, you know, and to me, what they're doing offensively is probably a little bit more sustainable than what I mean. I, I can't. Ex- I, I don't. Wouldn't expect to Iowa to ha- enjoy the time of possession it had in the non-conference in the conference season. It'd be great if they did, but they're going to need to hit some of those longer passes that they haven't been hitting to this point. And those that could happen, John. I think eventually they're going to hit. I agree. Some of those. I think it's going to happen. I I, I really do. I, I think I think by the time we get to October mid to late October, maybe the bye week. I really think that this this year could maybe emulate 2008 a little bit more in that, you know, it's, I actually think Stanley's ceiling, certainly as a sophomore, is higher than what we saw with Ricky Stanzi as a sophomore. Um, but I, th- I think that the passing game really is, is going to look good at some point in time. And, and maybe that's good in comparison to what we've seen at Iowa. I'm not saying good in comparison to what you know Baker Mayfield and, and the Oklahoma State quarterbacks are, are doing. But I think you're right. You know, I don't want to go back too far, but I, I want to give you some props. You know, uh, James Butler's out until through the bye week, maybe longer. Who knows? We'll see. But that's what Kirk's saying now, out through the bye week with the injury he suffered. And and you've heard me say this numerous times, and I, I, so I'm not just making something up, and I'm not trying to harp on the kid. I just think that James Dan- or, uh, Butler hadn't figured out really how to run behind Iowa schemes yet. Uh, and it, it seems like certainly what we uh, saw t- Torn Young, this is his second year in the program. I've really liked how he ran. Although, you know, patience is a tough thing to learn when you haven't gotten game experience. It was your first game. You're surprised to be in that much. And, you know, I think his mind was running about 100 miles an hour. He ran up the backside of a couple of his offensive linemen a few times. Ivory Kelly Martin's the guy I want to give you props about. You kept saying, I, I think, most of the summer, but certainly after Kids Day, you're like, don't forget about Ivory Kelly Martin as it relates to this running game you kept bringing him up numerous times and i can see why holy cow that that i really like how confident he was hitting the holes now the holes will be bigger against north texas than they will be against penn state but iowa sure has a bright future with these guys uh and Torrey young and ivory kelly martin yeah i mean through time here you know what us covering kirk as long as we have i think you can read the tea leaves sometimes and and what what i saw you know in the kid when he was practicing and and the kids day thing but also you know kirk and brian talking about how well he's done um and then using him you know breaking that red shirt off when you have some much depth at running back early in the season in the first game you know using him on special teams and then play, putting him into the kick return as well um there had to be something there and you know i i watched him at the opening uh the 
uh, what was that? That would have been last year, I guess, right? Yeah, the, the spring of last yeah, year, yeah. 2016. I watched him there, you know, and you could see that that's the underwear Olympics, and you don't get a you know a clear picture of what's going on, but you can just you can tell if a guy can play. And he was taking that thing seriously and watching his film. He just he he gets it. He understands, and he's a good fit for Iowa's system. He is a patient runner, um, but he also knows when to when to hit it and go up field and he he showed that the other day i'm with you i'm interested to see what what he and Young can do going forward because you know not to, to take anything away from what they did but north texas defense was gassed by the time they, they got rolling there in the you know right. midway the third quarter and fourth quarter um but i think it'll be interesting to see how the coaches use them because while still if he's healthy he's the he's the number one guy and i think he gets 20 to 25 carries a game how do they distribute the rest of the carries Heartland Flagpoles and Flags has flags of various shapes and sizes, banners, windsocks, and more of nearly every team and every sport. That's college, NFL, MLB, NBA, and hockey. If you feel like maybe you're the only Seattle Seahawks fan in your neighborhood, don't worry. They have flags for you as well. Heartland Flags has more than 100 Iowa Hawkeye items from flags to tiki totems, metal signs, luggage tags, and so much more. Let your fandom fly when you shop at Heartland Flags. Free shipping. Seriously, when you shop online, we're talking about free shipping. Your orders will ship for free from Heartland Flags. Heartlandflags.com is the website. Go check it out. Dace, he's a huge Michigan fan. He's a Detroit Lions fan. Rob Howe is a New York Mets fan. I went to their website. Heartlandflags.com has it for you. Again, free shipping on all orders online. Follow them on Twitter at Heartland Flags, and once again, visit them online at heartlandflags.com. Well, you know as well as I do that Kirk has, I, I never will admit it, mostly it's observations, but I'm guessing you'll agree, he has a little burn a saddle when Iowa plays against the quote-unquote blue blood programs, uh, and I think certainly with Penn State. I don't think, I, my guess is that by the time this Penn State game's over, Unless he gets hurt, Akram's gas tank is going to be beyond empty. Oh, I would agree. I think, and I, I kind of got that sense from Akram yesterday that he's ready for this one. I asked him about Saquon Barkley, and he did not want to talk about it. Um, didn't want to talk about the kids that he doesn't watch him. Um, and, and I know from from talking to Akram's family, this is a big one for them. Um, and, and it's not that they're trying to be, you know, individuals and not team players or anything like that, but they know all the publicity that Barkley's gotten and rightfully so, but this is a chance for Akram to, again, as he did against Michigan, kind of put his name in that group, mm-hmm. not saying he's as good as Barkley, but just put his name among the group of running backs in this country. Cause he's, he gets respect, but he's still building in that area because he got a later start in his career um and kirk man kirk was poor boy in it big time yep. yesterday at the press conference Notice that <laughs> hayden hayden will be proud of that press conference that's the first I, thing i thought it's funny you say the, that when i walked out of there i was like man i hope iowa can show up on saturday um <laughs> And somebody asked about, you know, the Barkley and Wadley comparison and Kirk pretty much. And, yeah. and people took offense to it. People that are fans of Wadley and Iowa fans, but they shouldn't have. That was just Kirk saying, you know, Barkley's, you know, he's the Heisman Trophy um, candidate. He's the guy that everybody's talking about. And, you know, Wadley's great, but 
this guy is going to be hard for us to stop. That's that's where he was moving with that. I could almost see Kirk walking out of that room, shutting the door away from the, the, the prying eyes of the media and the camera, ripping his tie off and just going, MF. I hate, I just, you know, let's get to work. Let's. Let, he didn't believe half of that stuff. There's no question. That was one of his best po' boy Hayden Fries ever. And with Hayden... You always knew you could see Hayden almost like winking at you when he was doing it. Kirk's a Kirk's a much better straight man, but yeah, you're you're totally dead on um, about that. And obviously, him growing up near the Pittsburgh area, um, this is a big one. Uh, it's always meant a lot to him. You, know, you think back to the 2004 year where he lost his father the week of before the Penn State game, where Iowa won six four, which still may be my favorite Iowa football game ever, given all of that. Um, but uh, anyway. Well, do you, what? do you buy what he was selling yesterday? I mean, I think he went a little bit too overboard with the they're not talking at all about last year's game. There is oh, no I, way. I, I, don't buy it for, I don't buy it for a second. Now, the, the Iowa football complex, as you know now versus the way it used to be, I mean, when, you get, when the media used to walk in on Tuesdays to go downstairs to the media room, you walked by a door where you could see into the weight room. Um, Now, tell people, do you ever get to see the weight room? Do you have any visual glimpses of the weight room or the practice field where you guys go on Tuesdays? What do you see when you're in there? We see the front foyer that anybody else in the public can go in and see with the trophies and memorabilia and and things like that. We don't get to see anywhere in the facility. But I can... I know Doyle's got stuff hung Garen up, and my guess, my guess would be Barkley's quotes from last year. I'm sure that's being talked about, and I don't think they'll overdo it, but they're going to remind him. They're going to use it as motivation. No, I, I think every time Doyle opens his mouth, and you know how hands-on or mouth-on he is in practices even, it's amazing how in, intricate and closely he's involved in everything, even on the sidelines during game days. You know, he's like Kirk's consigliere. Um I guarantee you it's everywhere, and I guarantee you he is he's going to be talking about it. Walking past guys on defense during stretches say, hey, you guys, uh, you look like you're giving up today. What's wrong? You know, he'll, he'll just keep picking at them. That's what he does, and he's good at yeah, it. Yeah, I, mean, I wonder if Saquon Barkley thinks you guys are going to quit this oh, week. Oh, all, all week. I guarantee you. So, no, I didn't buy that for a second, uh, and I, I love that part of it, and that's, that's the fun parts uh, of this job in this game is deciphering, you know, what's BS and what's not. And frankly, I enjoy it. Um, I got, go ahead. The, the play, the players yesterday, I mean, I wrote something kind of short, but quick yesterday at the press conference. And I thought the players gave me some really good answers just about how they relish this role of underdog. And I know people, some that, you know, sticks in the craw of some Iowa fans that, you know, when they talk about not being four and five stars and all this other stuff, but this really is the position that they like to be in. Not that they will want other, you know, not that they think that they're not as good as Penn State, but for others to think that that, you know, they are the the, the as Boone Meyer said, the guys with the chip on their shoulders, the walk-ons, the two stars, and things like that. And it does this these type of games set up well from them for them. And that doesn't mean they're going to win. We you know Florida in the bowl game last year showed us that, but it, it's it's. It, it's a it's a bonus for them, especially at home. I, I think it is something that they can feed off of. It's human nature, um, especially when you grow up 
in an area. I'm gonna don't want to sound like uh, Ricky Stanzi in that one idiot Fox reporter from the Orange Bowl, <laughs> but when you was that Chris Myers? It was yes. Okay. When you grow up in an area where you know the the news cameras don't come and Hollywood often makes fun of unless you know we're talking about ghosts coming out of a cornfield. And you, you know, like Robert Gallery had a scholarship offer and Josie Jewell barely did from Iowa and nobody else was there. And all these stories that we know chapter and verse of that have gone on to really become things that we're proud of that Kirk mentions a lot and sometimes too much. for When, when, you, when you grow up in that, you know, flag-waving, back-breaking, you know, part of the country... It's 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 just in you. It's a part of your DNA, and really, I think it's a part of every man's DNA to want to measure himself at multiple points of his life. If you're not if you're not looking forward or looking for opportunities to measuring yourself, then there's a whole lot of career uh, choices that are just not going to be for you. And these guys are all Type A's. They're all Uber competitors. They compete at every single thing they do, and this is one of those. You know, five, six, seven opportunities maybe that you're going to get your entire career of playing college football to measure yourself, to have a chance to be the the game of the of the week in college football, and that's not a given. I mean, some some senior classes have maybe gone through and have never had that at other schools as well. You know, like last year, you have Kirk Herbstreet and Chris Fowler, and you win fourteen thirteen, and that's a memory of a lifetime. Those things and those opportunities aren't guaranteed every year. So there's no doubt in my mind that that they are looking forward to the measuring. And that's not to say that the Penn State guys are not also looking forward to being on national TV and that. But I think that their measuring stick, if you know they were being honest, it's not Iowa. It's, it's, it's not against the Iowa. Their measuring stick is in a few weeks when they play against Penn State. And their measuring stick is against the mouth Jim Harbaugh. And their measuring stick is in Indianapolis. And I'm not saying that Iowa doesn't have similar goals. But this is absolutely a measuring stick, and I think the coaches are going to play it, up, play it up as such. And it's, you know, this is kind of the Iowa culture. When things are going well, it is that blue collar, that hard work, you know. And I wrote about this in, in that story yesterday. You know, in 2006 and seven, when Kirk talked about the fat cats, that's when they got out of that culture. Mm-hmm. And this is a good test on Saturday to see if they still have that, if the culture is still good. Are you able to rally and, and with hard work, you know, overcome some of, you know, a, a team that's got guys that are just, you know, more guys on the roster that are, are naturally gifted that other guys wanted and more of that, that culture. Whereas Penn State, I'm interested to see how are they going to deal with success now? Because mm-hmm. they – had that nice run at the end of last year. They lost a tough game in the Rose Bowl, um, but they've started off really strong again again this year. They're getting pats on the back. They're a top five team. It's still 18 to 23-year-old kids. Are they convinced that Iowa can beat them? Are they convinced that this is, you know, oh, yeah, pink locker room. That's funny. Yeah, the, the crowd's close to the, the field. That's, you know, that's going to be tough, you know, but are they taking it seriously? Are they prepared? Preparing, are, are they if they get hit in the mouth? Are they ready to come back? That's what I'm interested to see from Penn State. Another thing that's human nature for Penn State: it's impossible for every player that played in that game last year. It's impossible not to remember how badly you beat this team. 
and maybe in the back of your mind you maybe don't take them as seriously as other teams that you're going to have on your schedule so a lot of dynamics are at play and, and it's it's under the lights at Kinnick and man against top five rated teams I think in the last uh, 10 seasons Iowa's four and three and they're three and one at home and two of those wins have been against Penn State and no players from those old teams don't suit up but uh, rarely has Iowa been embarrassed in a spot like this. Penn State got them pretty good a few years ago when um, you know some Iowa offensive linemen got hurt. Bang bang! I think was that the yeah. last time Penn State came to, uh, to Iowa City? Uh, that was that two. Th- last time they were here, I think, was 2012. Maybe. Yeah, and that's it. That's when um, that that's, disaster. Yeah, that's when <laughs> the gosh. Why can't I think of the left tackle? Their last great left tackle, the Outland Trophy winner, Sheriff. Sure. Didn't he break his? Didn't he hurt his leg against Penn State? Yeah, I think, that, yeah, I and, think so. And then, like one or two plays later, they lost another starter, and then the rest of that season was just my gosh. So I think that's the last time they were here. So none of these guys have have played a football game in Kinnick. So no, another another trend that I saw. You know, an interesting note I saw in their notes today in Penn State's notes. They're eleven and thirteen in Big Ten opening games since they've joined the conference, which I found really interesting, and. The three times they've opened the season, the Big Ten season against Iowa, they've lost. 2002, 2009, 2010. Hmm. So we're talking betting trends. This is like Vegas betting. Yeah, yeah, the the, uh, the Boys in the Desert podcast. So with all that pump and pomp and circumstance, uh, you've got them losing. Yes, 31 to 24. And my reasoning behind this... And if I, just to get off track here a little bit, there, there's no game on this schedule, John, and I have a feeling you feel like similar to me in this regard that I want Iowa to win more than this one. Yep. I despise Penn State um, for reasons that you know, um, and, and I'm sure some of our lister, listeners that, who know my history understand. Um, I think what happened at Penn State and continues to go on there, not to the degree, but the fact that Paterno's kid is still on their board of trustees, the cult that they that they allowed to that you know those awful things happened to those kids, and for them to get off as easily easily as they did, it, it makes me sick. Mm-hmm. Um, but from a football standpoint, you know you play the game, and I know you know those kids that are on they're in their program had nothing to do with that. I get that. Um, and I don't want to, you know, condemn them for that, but Penn state as an institution and as a football program and that town, they're a disgrace to the big 10. Jim Delaney helped them get out of it. Former Iowa president, Sally Mason helped them get out of it and they should be ashamed too. Um, but from a football standpoint, I'll get off my soapbox I think they're in a better place than Iowa is right now. I just think they're playing cleaner football. The turnovers, the penalties, the mistakes that Iowa is still making at this point in the season, it's hard for me to imagine, and I hope I'm wrong, that they can clean all that stuff up enough to beat a team like Penn State. I think if this game was being played maybe even mid-October, late October, certainly in November, I would get a, give Iowa – I would feel better about Iowa's chances than I do this Saturday – and, I, and again, I hope I'm wrong. I want Iowa to win this game more than any of the other games on the schedule this this year. But just looking at it as objectively as I can, that's kind of where I'm coming from in terms of why I'm picking Penn State. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on everything you said about Penn State, the uh, institution, the cult. And um, I, I'm thinking more in line like 38-24, 38-21 Penn State. 
And I, I just hope Iowa competes and represents himself uh, because Kirk Ferentz would tell us right now if he was on this podcast that they didn't do that last year against Penn State. And that was not representative of, of who and what they were. And I think they showed the next week what they're capable of when they beat Michigan. Um, I just hope it's fun. And I'm not optimistic about a win. I didn't pick Iowa to win this game in the preseason. I've seen nothing thus far to make me change that prediction, but hopefully it's a great night and there's a little magic in the air there in Melrose. That will do will it. Be, uh, What's that? Just to, to slide in, 45 recruits there on Saturday. Wow. Um, nice, nice group. They've got some some guys that are pretty high on their list too um, in terms of offers. They have, I never would have thought I'd see this in, Kirk, in the Kirk Ferentz era. John, they've got three kids from Clear Creek Amanda that are in the 2021 class. They're freshmen in high school that are going to be visiting. And if you look at the list, I have a story on on our site on HawkeyeNation.com. I have the list of all 45 guys. There are a lot of guys in that. There aren't a lot of guys. I don't think there's anybody in the 2018 class, the kids that are seniors now, coming to the game that have offers. All the kids that have offers that they're shooting for are in the 19 class, juniors, 20 or 20 class, which are sophomores right, right. now. So <laughs> that's kind of where they're coming from. But David Bell, a wide receiver from uh, Warren Central, mm-hmm. um, offers from Ohio State, Notre Dame, and others. He's visited here before Iowa was in early. His teammate, Justin Britt, a defensive tack- tackle from Warren Central. Uh, Louisville and Ohio State offers. Uh, Jarrell Brock, running back from Oaklawn, Illinois, Richards High. Um, Marcus Hicks, a really good defensive end from Wichita, Kansas, who has offers from uh, uh, Iowa, KU, K-State, Missouri, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas. So there's some heavy hitters. Mose Newsom, uh, defensive end from uh, Waverly Shell Rock, has Mm -hmm. an offer, offers from Minnesota. Uh, Jack Kaiser, Indiana, linebacker, offers from Iowa, Indiana, Purdue. Lot and lot of guys that they're that you know, Iowa can certainly make noise on the field this week, and if they do as they did against Michigan last year, that makes noise off the field and impress these guys. You get another situation where they're storming the field that can do nothing but good with this uh, with this group of recruits that's in there on Saturday. Yeah, no doubt. You know the the receiver from Indiana that you talked about. Iowa's recruited incredibly well this year in Indiana, and now you know Purdue's making some noise. So we'll see, you know how if that has any impact on things in the next year or two and, and Purdue's facilities are obviously getting an upgrade. Iowa's, yeah. you know, Iowa's advantage that they've had in, in in facilities the last year or two over a good chunk of teams in the Big Ten is, you know, quickly evaporating as everybody's going to have amazing facilities. That but, stuff has a, has a short shelf life now, man. It's a, it's an arms race, and I, I don't know where it's going and where it's going to stop, but the facilities just keep getting better. Um, and, and a note on David Bell and Justin Britt, the two guys from Warren Central, they're high school teammates of um, Julius Brents, the defensive back who committed to yeah. Iowa uh, recently, so they've got a connection there as well good deal okay that'll do it and uh steve and i'll be back tomorrow night to give you our predictions thanks again to exile brewing company and heartland flag poles and flags that's heartlandflags.com uh they have their new shipment of american needs farmers anf flags in so go to their website and check that out today for rob i'm john we'll talk to you soon